LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Dan Eiton. Hey, hey. And uh, and, and my pastor. Yes. One of my best friends. Right. Guy Smogger. <laughs> A pipeline coach and everything. Like you, you just have, you tick all the boxes, man. Uh, this is Mark Satterfield. Hey, hey. Uh, and man, I'm excited to talk uh, about this question today because all three of us have been in the number two seat. All three of us have been executive pastors. So what's our question today, Dan? Yeah, our question today is what makes a good lead pastor and executive pastor relationship? Like, what does that look like? <laughs> no small topic. Right. Yep. Yep. You got that right. I mean, there's there's so much there that we could jump into. Where where do we start with it? Oh, well, I mean, okay. So here's the caveat that I would say. It really depends on the senior pastor. So um, having done a pipeline with thousands of churches at this point between going to somewhere personally or, um, you know, doing coaching days for a couple of days, you'll have, you know, a bunch of pastors come into the room. Uh, and almost every time somebody wants to offer you a job, they want, they they want you to come be their, their executive pastor. And I'm like, you don't even know what you want most likely, or what you need. And maybe you have some kind of idea, but, um, there was a really, really helpful article, uh, that Harvard business review did back in, I want to say 2008. And it was, uh, on the six different kinds of uh, COOs in businesses. And I found that that is, that article has been gold for me and helping me articulate, um, what a number one person, a CEO or a senior pastor needs, uh, to get real business-like for a moment. But, um, if you looked at that article, the interesting thing was they were like, well, some guys in the number two spot, they need a relational guy because they're not that relational with the staff or they need an execution guy because they're really big with vision, but not great. They're great with the poetry. They're not great with the plumbing. So they need, you know, a guy to come alongside them for that. Um, Or it's, they need it, you know, they need more of a a financial guy or fill in the blank. And I think that's true in a lot of pastoral situations where you've got a, you know, you've got a, a senior guy. It really depends on what he needs in what that number two role should look like, in, in in my opinion, I mean that's that's as far as skill set or um, temperament or you know I don't know strengths are concerned. But I think there's a lot that we can talk about from a generalization perspective. It doesn't matter, you know, if it, it, it matters what that relationship ultimately looks like from a um, I don't know interaction perspective, character perspective, that kind of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I would say, you know, talking about just generally speaking that you've got to be able to trust, trust one another, you know, like senior Mm -hmm. pastor has to be able to trust the XP and vice versa. And so if you trust one another, um, then you're going to be able to have hard conversations and hard conversations is just, it's just a part of the, the journey. And so, uh, if you trust one another, those hard conversations are happening because you're able to move the ball forward 
in, in whatever it is that you're tackling. And so I think, I think that's critical. Uh, it requires the senior pastor to have a level of humility to allow uh, someone to come in and speak the things that he may or may not want to hear. And so I just think if you have that kind of camaraderie, I mean, you got to like one another, right? Yep. You are, you're constantly in, in a mode of, of leading and specifically with people and ministry areas is just, it's messy. And so if you trust that guy, you like that guy, um, it's going to allow you to be able to do some things that are, that are quite difficult uh, in a manner that I think would honor the Lord and, uh, uh, and also steward well the resources of the church. Yeah. And I, just to echo that, I, I always like the phrase, assuming the best, um, the lead pastor, the executive pastor have to assume the best, even when they disagree on certain items that both have the best interest in the church at heart. It's not necessarily something about their own egos or something else going on. It's, it's, they're trying to do the best they can. And um, if they both come with that, assume the best mentality, that's going to hopefully help that relationship continue to, to flourish. Yeah. And I think this is an area I really struggle in uh, encouragement. Like you got to constantly be encouraging one another. And uh, that encouragement really goes a long ways. I mean, you're, it's like just making deposits on a regular basis because you're going to have to make withdrawals. And I think uh, when you make a withdrawal, especially if you're uh, uh, the XP, um, I think that's where emotional intelligence comes in. You know, when you're having that conversation that's necessary with your leader uh, and how you do that. Uh, and part of that comes with the rhythm of being able to work together. And so, uh, which means that you can't, work in isolate in isolation you've got to be able to work together it's got to be a level of collaboration uh, and when you have that you learn the rhythms of one another uh, you learn uh, you know the stressful days and the the uh, the good days you know the good days and the bad days and so I think a part of that working rhythm if you're able to to be vulnerable there uh, both the senior pastor and the executive pastor, I think you really get somewhere. Um, and so that's what I think. So let me ask this question. So I, I have, you know, as I've was an executive pastor at a church and talking to other guys in similar roles, I've had some that have said, Hey, my relationship with the lead pastor is strictly business. We like each other. We get along well, but we leave church at church. Um, and we're not friends at home. And then I have others that are the complete opposite that they live life together and they're going to their kids' soccer games together. They're doing everything together. You know, which, which is healthy, which isn't, or are both. Okay. What, how would you guys answer that? Man, that's a great question. I, I have a, a friend of mine who uh senior pastor and I love him to death. And, and he's talking about his team and he talks about, you know, his, his team, his particular situation. I think this is more his personality. Uh, they work together and he's like, you know what, we're not going to be besties. And, uh, and he lets them know that, you know, and so I think there is a, a, a place for that. I think it's, it's really driven by personalities. And so if you're the senior, pa I'm thinking like I'm senior pastor and I don't have an executive pastor, but if I'm hiring an executive pastor, my natural thinking would be, because I think this is just how I'm wired. I want that guy and his wife. Um, totally comfortable coming over Friday night for a dinner, watching the ball game and hanging out. And so I want that level of camaraderie. Um, 
do I think it's absolutely necessary? No, but I think it definitely helps and goes a long ways. But I, I imagine personalities really um, play a big part. And some of those roles, you just, you know, some positions within um, a staff require certain personalities, certain giftings and skill sets that are just different than yours, where it may, you know, you may not be hanging out after after hours or whatever. And that's, that's totally okay. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. It's almost, think, it's almost having that clear expectation boundaries going into it. Cause I think yeah. sometimes people get offended, like, Oh, they're not my best friend. I thought that's mm-hmm. what this was supposed to be. And it's not, or, you know, some of those hardships come in, come in without having those clear expectations, but yeah, yeah. Todd, what do you think? I, I, I think it can go either way. It's probably healthier to have that, um, work life, uh, inner, inner, like, I don't think that you should compartmentalize your life personally. Um, the guys that do, I think, uh, open themselves up to, uh, failure a, a lot easier than others where it's like, no, life is ministry. Ministry is life. This stuff is all going to come together it's all it's going to be messy um a, a, a more messy than and that you know type of defined role relationship i've had that kind of relationship with two different guys that um i i served alongside or served and one was you know very up close and personal and one was more business and honestly i don't know like I would say that both worked, both worked well. Um, but yeah, I, here's, here's my question for you guys, because we have to remember that a lot of people listening to this podcast don't have an executive pastor. If they do, it's because um, they're taking uh, the title associate pastor, um, which was used for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, everybody wants to be an executive pastor these days if they're not the senior pastor, it seems like. So they slap that title and use it liberally. Um, but a lot of people listening to this, when they're thinking about um, a, a, a kind of a number two person, that person may be a lay person that person may not be a staff person. Mm-hmm. How does that change this dynamic? What do you, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think with that, um, usually there's been some level of relationship developed with, uh, that particular person. And so you probably have more of that. Uh, there, there, there's already life experience, um, and ministry happening that's not doesn't have that eight to five feel to it, totally. um, you know. And so, which I think is really, I think is really healthy. And so, uh, al- along those same lines, where I think it's really healthy too about that type of position or that type of role, it's good to know ultimately what is the long term plan for that number two or that guy who's in a volunteer. If a guy's a volunteer and it is a support role, um. More than likely, not not this is not always the case, but but more than likely that person is right in their sweet spot to give support to the senior pastor. And so um, development still taking place there. 
but it may be a situation where that person doesn't want to be a senior pastor. You know, what I've noticed in just some conversations, what I've had with individuals, and maybe this because of my, my past experience has been, I was an XP for several years and now I'm a senior pastor. Some guys are willing to go into that role, but ultimately they're, they're thinking that's not where they'll be long-term that they want to be senior pastor. And so I think being able to understand what is, what is uh, that individual's long-term game plan? How am I helping them in the long run? I think really does go a long ways with how you are, you're leading them, you're discipling them, um, you're supporting them just as much as they're supporting you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Todd. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think from a really practical perspective, um, because we like to be as practical as possible on this podcast is, you know, whether it is a volunteer or it is a staff person, I think it is so critical for the lead pastor and this person in this XP or number two role, having really, really clear boundaries of what is, is, is in whose job description is to do what things like what their roles are supposed to be, what their responsibilities are, who interacts with ex staff people, all those sorts of things, getting that solidified. Um, Cause I think one of the toughest things is, you know, there are different personalities of lead pastors and you can't put them all in the same camp. Um, you can't put all XPs in the same camp, like you said, Mark, um, cause I was an XP who doesn't want to be a lead pastor. Um, but I've seen others that have, and they get, they get frustrated when they don't get enough Sundays preaching, um, you know, or things like that. But I think having those really clear expectations of like, Hey, you are going to preach five Sundays a year. Um, and your job is to manage the staff or your job is to manage the volunteer teams. And my job is to do vision and, you know, leadership development or counseling and just kind of having those clear lines of who does what, obviously those things blend over time. But I think where I've gotten friction with my old lead pastor was just when we were infringing upon each other's spaces almost unintentionally, but like not having the hard conversation to call those things out. Yeah, I think that's good. You know, you go back to the basics of recruitment. I think it's so true for the hiring process. You know, you there's a concern for a person's character. Uh, there's a concern for the competencies or the giftings of that individual specifically tied to the position. And then chemistry, this is really what we're talking a lot about is like, what's that chemistry look like? You need to, to de- define the chemistry. What does that relationship look like? And then the conviction, you know, conviction comes into like what you're just saying, Dan, um, you knew that you did not want to be a lead pastor, you know? And so I think with lead pastors, senior pastors, they know they have an XP that does not want to be uh, a senior pastor. Uh, I think that does alleviate some of that pressure or some of that concern that at some point this guy's going, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, sometimes, and this is, this is not the way, you know, we should do ministry. We should, um, you know, as part of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, um, we should be sending out, you know, but oftentimes, you know, we get someone who's just doing a fabulous job in their, in their role. And we just want to keep them, you know, we don't want to send them out uh, because we benefit from, from great ministry work that they're doing. And so the more clarity you have on those things just provides a greater experience for both parties, senior pastor and executive pastor. I I, want to go back to that small church, smaller church for a minute there, because I mean, I grew up in smaller churches and most of my family members still serve in 
smaller churches and, uh, you know, just thinking about looking back on the different people that came alongside them because they were all in single, uh, except for one other one, single uh, staffed, you know, kind of churches where they were the only guy. But the guys that came alongside them to support them, they usually had, you know, one or two guys that were, that were around. And it wasn't that it wasn't a good old boy network kind of way. You know, it was a, this person sometimes is older uh, than the pastor. This person um, is just come alongside to really support the pastor at the same time. I remember guys coming up and through that were going to be sent out as pastors and they had kind of a, you know, they were, uh, in a, in a different role. Um, but you know, as I look back on it, man, that was just a really, that's just a really special relationship. And it boils down to the same exact thing. It's trust. It's the chemistry component. It's definitely the character component because you're talking about smaller churches of 150 or less where, you know, typically you've got just going to paint this with a broad brush. You've got two or three families that have a lot of sway. Uh, and in a good situation, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's one of those families, uh, a, a, a man from one of those families is really that person. Um, sometimes it's not. And sometimes it, it's uh, somebody come alongside the pastor just to, to serve them and, make sure that, um, I don't know that, that they're, they know what's going on because <laughs> in those situations too, you gotta be, my dad always said you had to marry a few and bury a few. Uh, and it would take you six or seven years to really get the trust of the people in order to really do anything in a smaller church like that. So, um, you know, part of that is having, uh, a, a good person or two by your side. So even if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I'm never going to be able to have a uh, hire a person to do this still, I would say some of the things that, you know, we, you would want to look for are the same things you'd want to look for in hiring. The beautiful thing is um, you just have to, you know, look up uh, and see who's around you and, and pray for God to reveal who that person might be and uh, to give them a like mind for your, for your ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. Like in a setting like that, where you don't, you don't have the resources to, uh, to have an XP, um, the willingness to see who has, who God has brought to, uh, the congregation that has a desire and love for the Lord, uh, to see the church flourish and their skill set uh, is different than yours. They actually, their strengths are your weaknesses and this requires such humility that you would allow them to be a part of the journey in moving the church forward, advancing the kingdom, um, because they're better than you at, at, at things. And that's really good. You know, we need that. And so I had a guy like that recently. He's gone to be senior pastor for church. Now his strengths were my weaknesses and my weak, my weaknesses were his strengths, you know? And, and so, uh, uh, we, we leveraged one another uh, for the greater good. And that requires a lot of trust. 
Awesome. Well, hey guys, that was a great conversation about this. Um, really glad to have Mark with us here and he's going to be on a, a couple more future podcasts with us. We're going to ask Mark a uh, teaser for a couple episodes in advance um, about how to fire that volunteer. So you might've gotten somebody on board to, <laughs> to help lead you. And now we're going to talk about how to, how to maybe let that person go. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned for a future episode. Um, do us a favor. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Um, Tell, tell a friend or two about it. Um, but again, thank you for your time and we hope to hear from you soon.